0: Once upon a time, in a faraway land, there was a girl who had a bird as her best friend. This bird was enchanted. The bird roamed free and would always return whenever the little girl thought of it. Its feathers too were magical and they could change colour based on whichever place the bird flew to. So this bird would tell the girl stories about each land it visited. Once it told her, look at my feathers, all white and fluffy. I come from snow-capped mountains where everything looks bright and shining. Another time it told her, my feathers are blue and green. I come from distant islands with lush grasslands and rivers. And each time the bird told her all these stories, the girl was mesmerized. But one day... The bird told her that it was time for it to leave the girl's house because the land was going dry and brown. But the girl did not want the bird to leave. How she got some magical powers and managed to change things around her is the story of The Girl and the Enchanted Bird. Today's episode is not about this story, but about a joyous event in the world of all birds that you and I can take part in to help birds around the world have a much better home. This event is called the Great Backyard Bird Count, where for four days in a year, come February, people from anywhere in the world can go out and find what birds they find in their backyards and tell scientists all about them even the enchanted ones. Hi there! You're listening to What's New Today, a kids and family podcast about current events shaping our world. This is Sangeeta, your host from India, and in today's episode, I'm joined by three super curious children from different parts of the world and one very curious adult who also happens to play a very important part in the great backyard bird count.
1: So let me introduce you to my co-host for today. Hi, my name is Shravan. I'm from Singapore and I'm nine years old. Hi, my name is Tanvi. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I'm 10 years old. Hi, my name is Azia. I'm from India and I'm 11 years old.
2: Hi, I am Becca Radomski-Bish and I live outside of Ithaca, New York in the United States. I work at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology and I am the project leader for the Great Backyard Bird Count
1: you literally need the full thing?
2: Yes, so the Cornell Lab of Ornithology is one of three big organizations. There's another one called Birds Canada and one called National Audubon Society. And then we also have lots of other partners around the world. Birds Count India is one of them. But I am the person in charge of the project at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology, yes.
1: It must be a big responsibility to be
2: in charge of something worldwide. Wow. It is. It is. It's a lot of fun, though. And it's so inspiring to me to see people like yourselves who live all over the world that are excited about this. And we all for these four days, it's like we all come together, right? And we're all just telling each other what we see. I find it to be very inspiring.
0: Welcome, all of you to this show. I know all of you kids are really excited to talk to Becca about birds and this event in particular. But before we jump into the topic directly, I thought we'd start today's show with three super fun questions. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Question 1. A lot of birds apparently are not particularly fond of one colour. Can you guess which colour this is? Red. Orange. Any more guesses? The correct answer, I believe, is the colour white. There are
1: plenty of birds who are white, doves and cranes, for
0: example. That is right, but I have no clue why it is believed that uh, birds are often not fond of the colour white. Becca, is there a reason for this?
2: You know, I'm gonna admit that I just cheated and Googled this while you asked the question because I didn't know the answer. <laughs> but um, <laughs> it sounds like um, white signals danger to birds to some species of birds, and so they recommend not even wearing white when you go bird watching because the birds may try to stay away from you. But I don't know actually the the you know the deeper reason beyond that
0: wow that's an interesting takeaway that when you go bird watching or bird counting as part of this event it may not be a good idea to wear white and go out all right moving on to question two when we think of sharks we often think of gleaming teeth right but how often do you think we can see teeth in birds do you think it's very often sometimes or never never sometimes sometimes Well, the correct answer is never, because birds have no teeth. So let's ask the expert. Becca. can you tell us how birds chew their food?
2: That's a good question. Most birds don't chew their food. Um, The... seed eaters will kind of chomp on the seed coats and then they'll consume the the meat inside of the the nut or seed that they're trying to get at um raptors don't chew their food they tear it apart with their big pointy bills and then swallow larger chunks of of meat pretty whole so birds don't do a lot of chewing they do a little bit of chomping with their beaks if they're seed eaters but mostly they are they
1: they also pierce into their food
2: yes absolutely
1: Really
0: interesting, right? Alright, moving on to our last question. This one's super easy, I think. One of the most common varieties of birds to be found in the world is the house sparrow. But it can't be found in only one continent. Can you tell me where it can't be found? Antarctica.
1: Antarctica, yeah. Because it's the coldest place. Antarctica is inhospitable for everyone except penguins. Oh, wait. House sparrows are not found in Singapore also. In Asia, yeah, there will be house sparrows, but not in Singapore. Yeah, I've seen the Eurasian house sparrow in Singapore. Eurasian tree sparrow, tree sparrow.
0: It's super cool, Shravan, that you knew the difference between a Eurasian tree sparrow and a house sparrow.
1: Speaking of Eurasian birds, the other day I was doing this thing called Merlin bird app. It's really cool. You can just upload a photo or a sound into it and then it'll tell you which bird it belongs to. It took is taking a faraway picture of a crow, and it told me it was a Eurasian jackdaw.
2: Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say so it misidentified it for you. Yeah, totally.
0: Becca, is that possible that sometimes the Merlin Bird app might misidentify?
2: Yeah, so the Merlin Bird app is a tool that the Cornell Lab has designed and built, and it's what we actually encourage, especially first-time participants in the GBBC to use. And it is a tool that is not 100% foolproof, right? And people actually like to try to trick it sometimes. Pictures in particular are probably the least accurate in terms of identification because you can see how many birds look very similar and could be ID'd uh, closely because, you know, the quality of the picture is hard to get real sharp. I would encourage you next time that happens to try either recording the sound of the bird using Merlin because you can also use bird sound to ID and answering the questions. There's, um, three questions that Merlin Bird ID will ask you. So compare the answers when you try the different ways to ID the bird and see if it gives you any kind of a different result. But yes, it's not 100% accurate. I think for the pictures, we say somewhere between 78 to 80% accuracy. So it, it's not 100% accurate.
0: That's really interesting. So for a lot of our listeners, perhaps the word Merlin bird app itself is something novel and new. So it's a bird app that you can install on your phone and you can use this app to participate in this great backyard bird count. So for more on what this event is, Tanvi, can you tell us what do people normally do during the four days of this GBBC event?
1: So they go out out for like at least 15 minutes over like a course of like four days I forget what the dates are I think it's 17th to 20th and they look outside and see if there's any birds and then they count how many birds they kind of like record their information
0: and they can upload this information on the Merlin bird app or other there are also a couple of other places like the eBird app So Adhya tell us who can participate in it?
1: Is it only children or only adults? Anybody can participate anytime. Third is specifically held only in February, but actually people can upload their photos of birth around the year. But I have a question for you, Becca. Why is yeah? held specifically in February? Like, will it make a kind any difference if it's on a different month every year or something?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question one of the reasons it's in February is that February is sort of a time really around the world where birds are just about to engage in one of their annual migrations so in the northern hemisphere it's winter time um, and a lot of our migrants are in the southern hemisphere and vice versa right now in the southern hemisphere nesting season is starting to wind down birds have been nesting and some of those birds will, start to take off again Um, so it's really kind of a nice opportunity to get a snapshot of where birds are right before one of their big annual migrations Um, and it's not the only bird count that we do every year we do another one in may we do one in the fall and then there's also something called the christmas bird count which they do in december and january so it's before this so one of the nice things about Bird conservation is we have these counts at various times of the year, which allows us to kind of put a bigger picture together of where birds are when. Um, and this one just happens to be right before one of their big migrations.
0: So that is the great backyard bird count in a nutshell. February 17th to 20th. During those four days, anyone anywhere in the world can go out for a minimum period of 15 minutes. You can go out literally to your backyard or you could go for a stroll through a forest or or near a marshland. And you've got to note what bird you saw there and how many of them did you see. And you've got to upload this information on one of the apps. We leave information and links to the apps that you can use in the show notes below. I've got a question for all the kids here. What do you think these scientists like Becca do with all this information that you give them?
1: The people who organize the GBBC, they can use the information to find out where birds are when, and if any type of birds' population is increasing or decreasing. Then they can put the pieces together and make a bigger picture of why the population is increasing or decreasing. They could find out where the problem is going on if there's a population decreasing. And then uh, for non-migratory birds, they could find out ideal habitats for them. So they could create these habitats.
0: Interesting thoughts, Adya. Tanvi, what are your ideas on what scientists might do with all this information?
1: So the information, it can basically just give the scientists an idea of how many birds, what the population of the birds is, and they can see if it's actually healthy or endangered.
0: Wow, Tanvi. Nice to see all of you thinking like conservationists.
1: Shravan, do you have any other ideas? They would use it to check if the bird population is increasing or decreasing, just like Adya said.
0: Thank you, Shravan. Wonderful to see all of you are wearing the caps of scientists and environmentalists on. Yay! So let me now ask the one person who's been wearing the cap of a scientist for a really long time in her life. Beka, tell us who can participate in the GBBC, who do you recommend uh, should participate and what do you all do with all this information that people give you as part of the GBBC?
2: Uh, The GBBC is available to anybody, um, no matter where you live. And some people don't have, quote unquote, backyards, right? Maybe they have a beautiful patio um, like Chevron has there that I can see in the background. So it doesn't matter. You don't need to be in a yard, per per se, or a garden. Um, Wherever you are, birds are there, and we want to know about them. So um, wherever you live, no matter what your space looks like, tell us what you see. and the. The data is used for lots of different reasons. So all of this data goes into a big database uh, called the the eBird database that's managed by eBird. And then scientists will download this data and use it for lots of different questions that they're trying to ask and answer. Um, As some of you can probably imagine, a lot of the questions these days revolve around climate change. Um, And believe it or not, we can use bird data to answer or at least get a better sense of what's going on in terms of climate. So um, last year in 2002, 159 peer-reviewed scientific papers used this data. Um, and again, GBBC is part of a bigger database. All the information goes into one place, and then scientists from around the world can download that data. Um, so I would say to listeners: get out there, participate. Something that's fun for you and pretty easy. Whether you know you do it by yourself or with your family or your friends, it goes and contributes towards something much bigger, which scientists can use to try and understand what's going on around the world in terms of bird populations and even you know bigger questions like climate and how that. That's influencing the planet.
0: Thank you so much, Becca. I'm, I can see all these big smiles on the faces of the kids uh, who are all so excited to be a part of this great backyard bird count. And everybody here feels very important because you know what we are going to be doing from February 17th to 20th is going to add a lot of value to scientists around the world. So this is part one of a two-part series on the Great Backyard Bird Count. For more on birds and a lot of interesting information on how to be a part of it, you can find that in part two of this podcast series on GBBC. And for those of you out there who are looking for information on what apps to download, To participate in the GBBC, record your information and upload it on this eBird database. You can find links to all of this in the show notes below. And that brings us to the end of this episode. If you enjoyed this banter between Shravan Tanvi, Adya, Becca and I, You just might find What's New Today podcast channel one of the easiest and the most fun-filled ways of catching up on interesting news stories around the world. New episodes drop every Monday and Friday. Please do click the follow and subscribe button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And while you're at it, could we also request you to leave us a rating and a review? That really helps us grow our listener base. Have a great day and thanks for listening.